0: the
1: under center podcast hello and welcome to the under center podcast i'm your host darren and i'm back in the hot seat after a couple of weeks off Uh, i am joined by fionn Malloy. fionn thank you so much for taking uh the hot seat while i was um i was away hopefully it wasn't too hot for you
0: no it was my pleasure no it was uh Big shoes to fill, but I think think we got by pretty much okay. Me and and Jake enjoyed the chat that we had. Obviously, uh, no guest either. We we love the guests that we have on, but we equally love to get to ramble on and do our own little monologues as well and have a bit of fun with it. So, uh, yeah, we enjoyed our week off. Great to have you back, though, and and back in the swing of things.
1: I am delighted to be back because I couldn't stand. I listened to the show. I couldn't stand for all the Seahawks hate over the draft selections. (laughs) I could not stand for it. We have right. to give you
0: stick. I mean, if you're not here to defend yourselves, it's the perfect opportunity <laughs> to get a few digs in.
1: I know. That's why we're going to be. Um, that's why we're going to be given the, the giant stick for all of this show. now because Jake's not here Absolutely. today. Yeah. Uh, but one thing that we didn't get a chance to speak about last week, because like you mentioned, we didn't have a show was the scheduled release. Um, We won't go into the whole schedule because everyone knows at this stage who's going to be playing who and when. I'm sure you've known what team you're going to play. But Fiona, I'd like to know your view, of course, on the commanders' schedule this season. Uh, Are you happy with it? Yeah, I think not
0: having all of the division in one big, long stretch at the end of the season helps out a lot. Uh, Just lets you get a bit of run of form and, and disrupt a little bit any of the patterns that the other teams are used to defending against you. So I think it's good. Obviously we start off with the Jaguars lions given their, their uh, records last season. I think that's quite a nice start to the season. And then we get back to back division games against the Eagles and the Cowboys. I think that'll be the first test. Everybody's very high on the Eagles, but we we're talking about this uh, off air during the week. That reminds me a lot of the talk about the commanders last season and Injuries kind of derailed that pretty significantly, so be interesting to see. I think it's going to be the first test for the Eagles versus, uh, as opposed to the first test for the Commanders. And then, obviously, everyone for some reason loves the Cowboys every single year. They get they get called Super Bowl contenders by some pundit or another. So uh, it'll be nice to get an early swing at them and kind of knock them down a peg. But after that, like you said, it's it's difficult to know. Like last year, you had Arizona. They went they went 8-0 and through the first eight, and did not manage to do that through the second eight. So what looks like a convenient time to play a team isn't always the case. So we'll have to wait for things to pan out. But obviously facing uh, Titans and Packers are the big ones that stand out to me as probably the two best teams that we're
1: going to play all season. Yeah, definitely for sure. Um, I think maybe this is the first year that I think everyone is kind of collectively dumping on the Cowboys a little more because their offseason moves were just terrible. Um, but they still, the contracts. They're still giving nine con- and a half wins. Uh, yeah, but it's because of the division. Mm,
0: I know. They do. Hey, I was laughing at that a lot. No matter which way you cut it, I've seen all these, the PFF grade and the NFL grade of the strength of schedule, and whether you go by the betters or last season's uh, records or whatever. and because the NFC East is considered so bad, uh, all four teams have the four easiest schedules because we all play each other, obviously, twice. So, uh, exactly. I did, I did find that quite funny. I mean, I don't believe that. I'd love to see someone go through the stats and see how this so-called uh, ease of schedule has actually translated into uh, wins or losses. So I, I don't reckon there's much of a correlation at all, to be honest, because like we mentioned, it, it's all well and good doing preseason polls, but injuries and runs of form and and upsets all get thrown in there that end up making everything pretty random, to be honest.
1: Yeah, exactly. On the Seahawks side of things, though, you know you can't go any further than that. You know, week one, Russ's comeback in the Monday Night Football at, at Lumen Field. You know that is obviously the standout. Um, they weren't going to wait. Until the middle of the season for that game, straight away, Russ is coming back to Lumen field. Um, I prefer it that way. Just get it out of the way. Let, let that build up happen. Just get it out of the way. Honestly, it's the best chance to beat Russ. <laughs> I <laughs> because think he you, might struggle. I think he could easily struggle. It's even the best struggle. chance to beat Russ. Now, I'm not saying that whether it's Drew, Drew Lock or Gino Smith who wins the quarterback competition if you can call it that even in seattle but i'm not going to say they're going to win the game but looking at the rest of the schedule you know that the last six games are really difficult or not the last six games sorry the games after the bye are going to be really difficult even the game before the bye, going up against the buccaneers in germany is going to be tough and but the raiders the rams twice the panthers the 49ers the chiefs away the Jets thrown in there too a home and we don't know what sort of Jets team we'll see by the end of the season. Um, so it's going to be really difficult to see any more than six wins for the Seahawks mm-hmm. next season. Um, the only saving grace is and the thing that will keep me probably engaged or like really engaged with the whole season is... The, the changes to scheme and personnel that they're doing on the defensive side of things with the coaching staff, they brought in the new defensive coordinator, Clint Hurts, Sean Desai is the assistant head coach also with, you know, with the former DC in Chicago with the bears, the players that they brought in on defense is one of the only things that sort of keep me interested to see what they could do next year. um, for sure. But yeah, like that, if you're looking for an exciting Seahawks off- offense, Look, I don't think you're going to get it. It's a
0: it's a pity you don't have one of those uh, automatic gimmies against the Giants this season on the schedule. I we luckily do. have two. We do. Uh, oh, brilliant! You do. Okay, we that that's one win yeah. you can put in the win column anyway. Because yeah. my God, they're looking bad. We got I the Commanders have a nice little stretch coming into December, uh, end of November. They got Texans, Falcons, and then a double header against the Giants, uh, leading into a game against the 49ers towards the end of the season, which depending on how Trey Lances is sitting in, he might be a bit battle weary by the time he gets to the Washington Commanders. That could be a little uh, rattle off a nice little five wins in a row there. Certainly two wins in a row is going to do a lot of good for the Commanders uh, feel good factor against the Giants because let's be honest, the Giants have no hope this season, keeping, keeping Daniel Jones around but then also somehow not committing to him either at the same time. Uh, what was their big thing? They they lost. They still have Kadarius Tony, maybe one of the worst wide receivers in the league. They still well,
1: have. The rumors uh, where they were trying to trade him. Trying to I shop him. No it, one wanted him. I guess there was that. no one wanting him. Yeah. yeah might, I think they yeah. wanted a first round pick back in return for a play. That wasn't well, available for half the season anyway. Runs a lovely route, but unfortunately can't
0: hold the football. Uh, and then, of course, they have the, what did they pay uh, Galladay? Like $50 million or something Way just to run much. around like a yeah. headless chicken. I'm Way so glad much. Jake wanted him so much because he is maybe a bigger ruin on that offense than Jones is. even.
1: Possibly. Possibly. But let's keep actually in the NFC East because some of the other news that we've seen the ra- last few days is a former giant who was released. James Bradbury is now mm-hmm. staying in the NFC East. He's joined the Philadelphia Eagles on a one year, $10 million deal. So it's going to be Brad, Bradbury and Darius Slay in the cornerback positions. Um, so it, I just want to know, cause obviously you were an NFC East team supporter with the commanders with the moves that they've made in the draft and obviously acquiring AJ Brown and now Bradbury and some of their other moves, I know you were saying, we we, you mentioned earlier on, but is there even a little bit of worry there that things are sort of coming together for the Eagles?
0: Oh, absolutely. I think they've made huge strides. I would not begrudge anyone putting them as the top team in the NFC East at the moment. But again, the problem is, and and the limiting factor for so many teams in the NFC East, and I or all of the teams in the NFC East, I include Dallas in this, is the quarterback play. If Jalen Hurts plays well this season and takes a step forward, they're of course going to be dangerous. If he doesn't, then a lot of those weapons become automatically neutralized. So I think it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how they develop on the pitch, but certainly on paper, they've got significantly better than they were last season.
1: Well, there's always Garen in you. <laughs> True. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of quarterbacks though, you have, um, you have one that you want to talk about um, who's currently actually in the AFC North but may not be staying there for much longer. Yeah, well, the Browns kind of shot themselves in the foot as the Browns like to do. Uh,
0: they've signed a quarterback uh, that's dealing with some legal issues off the pitch that we haven't we haven't really spoke about on this program in Watson. They paid him guaranteed money. Or the whole contract is guaranteed. But they also have Baker Mayfield on uh on the roster who I believe is earning 18 million or 20 million, or maybe even more dollars this season in guaranteed money as well. So they're stuck with two starters. They didn't manage to ship them off before the draft. And now Watson has decided he's going to take all his mates, his new mates in Cleveland off to the Bahamas for a training session. I suspect uh, Mr. Mayfield will not be on that private flight. So he'll be off doing something else. But if it does come down because there has been uh, news released in the last kind of week or so that the NFL is going to talk to Watson about what's going on off the field. We have seen them also hand down suspensions for things that are not completely clear through the courts in their own private investigations. They tend to make their own decisions regardless of what the legal system says. So it will be interesting to see if he does get banned uh, and how long that ban will be. But, Obviously, the Browns would like to turn to Baker Mayfield. If I'm Baker Mayfield, I'm shaking my head, I'm turning my phone off, I'm not answering any of those texts. You don't want me. You didn't want to move me on when you had the chance. All the other teams now are just waiting for them to cut them to try and save money uh, and not not spend anything to trade for them. So if I was him, I would refuse. I would refuse to play for the Browns. Let them sleep in the bed they made for themselves and let them suffer. Go, you wanted to pay this guy. All this money, you knew in advance that this was a possibility. And I suspect it's half the reason they weren't overly enthusiastic about getting Mayfield off the books necessarily. So if I was him, yeah, I'd do a little mini, you can't hold out anymore, but a little mini hold in during the season and say, hey, I broke my back for you guys last season. Literally broke his shoulder, maybe even both shoulders, I believe, at one stage. I think his
1: back was the only thing he didn't break.
0: The back was the only thing he didn't Mm. break. And hey, he, he muscled it out for them. He tried to pull the team along as much as he could. He did his bit. And they kind of roasted him for it. So uh, I, if I was him, I would be in no rush to do that again for a second season. Look, yeah. the team's no Baker Mayfield. If a team is interested in Baker Mayfield, you're not going to get more teams interested by playing the first five, six, seven games of the season. I'm sorry. You're only increasing your, uh, your injury risk. So yeah, that's the end of my monologue is if I'm Baker Mayfield, Baker, don't answer Don't talk to anybody in the Browns. Sit there at home. Just relax. Put your feet up uh, and get out of there as quick as you can. No one wants to be in Cleveland anyway, so get out there pretty quick and and find a new team.
1: Well, it is interesting because there was reports that there was talks between the Panthers and the Browns during draft weekend about trading Baker. The sticking point, though, was that the the Panthers wanted the Browns to pay part of his salary, and Mm -hmm. they didn't want to do that. So now the Browns are stuck in paying all of his uh, salary when he will not. Well, where I'm guessing is whether or not um, Watson is suspended, which he probably, he will be. Um, It's all, it's all likelihood that he will be. We don't, we just don't know for how long that Baker, I think is said to people that he's not going to play anyway. I think he's Mm -hmm. done either way. So I think the Browns are in a very difficult position. Now, if they're okay with this for the season, that's great for them. I don't think the the fans would be too happy this year for sure um, because with the disappointment of last year, after the success of the year before, they would have wanted the team to kick on a little bit. And I think if they do have a disappointing year, they could point to the reason saying, look, listen, we didn't have Watson. We didn't have Watson. We didn't have Watson. But I don't know if the fan base will be that patient if they're Uh seeing if the team do indeed struggle. um, And look, we can explore that a little more in the second half of the show because, of course, we are going to be speaking to Dale Lolly from uh, DK Pittsburgh Sports. Uh, we're going to be talking all about the Steelers. And, of course, being in the same division, we'll naturally have to talk a little bit about the Browns. One last bit of news I saw, um, Fionn, that I wanted to bring up before we... um take a break and then bring on, on Dale to talk about the Steelers is the Tom Brady news. Um, It has been sort of a summer of Tom Brady news from retiring to unretiring to now finding out he has signed a 10 year, $375 million contract with Fox. And I just wonder were your demands too high for Fox. Did you, did you ask for 400 million? Is that why um, you weren't employed and, Tom Brady, they went with instead.
0: Yeah, look, it it just fell through. I also, as you know, very loyal person. So uh, I wanted to have an an under center podcast hosted by Fox outside of my commentating duties. (laughs) Uh, They really liked what I put on tape in terms of the the practice shows that I sent them, but uh, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. they weren't willing to fork out. I did ask for, I actually undercut Tom Brady. I only asked for 300 million, but then I did ask for a budget. Of another seventy million for the podcast, so I think maybe that's where right. that's where we fell apart. Right, yeah, but, of course. Uh, and I did also like as well that um, Fox came out and said, "No, no, no, that's not true." And when pushed on clarifying which part wasn't true, was the whole thing not true? They said, "No, it was just inaccurate." So uh, <laughs> I'll be interested to see. Maybe it's three hundred and fifty million over the course of five years instead of 10 years. But Fox are insisting some part of those numbers is incorrect. So it'll be interesting to see which exactly, which digit goes where uh, when the final details get released.
1: Well, Brady was always known for taking team-friendly deals in his contracts to help build, (laughs) obviously, whatever squads he was on, whether it's the Bucks or or the Patriots. He obviously wasn't taking a channel-friendly deal when he took this uh, Fox one. But Um, he's also just
0: said... That he hates sports media as well, so uh mm. he's not doing he's not
1: doing a pretty great job, or
0: maybe he doesn't quite realize where where he's gonna retire to, or maybe he's not gonna take it. He does like doing U-turns these days, so maybe he's mm. gonna do a U-turn and not take the gig at all.
1: Well, look, his money pushed Troy Aikman out of Fox and put him onto ESPN. So you know the money had to come devastated. from somewhere. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, the money had to come from somewhere, so I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm sure he's devastated having to work only one day a week. On... Not being, <laughs> and also not, <laughs> on not being football. able to
0: just follow the Cowboys around nonstop. My God. It seems like Troy Aikman only ever commentated on Cowboys and Packers to me. It just if I turned on the game, it was almost guaranteed those pair. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they find their new digs.
1: Definitely, for sure. Um, on the other side, actually, because... Uh, I saw the tweet a couple of days ago, I don't know if you did too, from Drew Brees, that he's not continuing with NBC Sports anymore. He says he doesn't know what he's going to do next year. The possibility of coming back to play next year? Surely, surely not Drew Brees is going to come back and play another season in the NFL. He's probably His arm is probably hanging off at this stage anyway. He wouldn't be able to throw it past 10 yards.
0: Yeah, no, if it was a noodle before he retired, it's definitely a noodle now after a, a year or so retired. I didn't even know he was a broadcaster, to be honest. I don't remember hearing him on any broadcast that I watched all last year. So You know,
1: what he, where, you know where he where he was? Because obviously NBC had the Sunday night football. He mm. was there at halftime um, reviewing the games that went on earlier on that day. Uh. He was also there pre-game, but because over here in Ireland, we don't really get NBC pre-game stuff. We only get the game itself. Mm-hmm. We we never saw him.
0: Yeah, and that, those those late games are kicking off at like twelve AM uh, yeah. Irish time, so we don't get to see a whole lot of them. Okay, so yeah, good. It, I I will now no longer have the option not to listen to Drew Brees in the commentary box. Huh? But I, yeah, I wish him I wish him all the best going forward. I think there's next to zero chance. That he becomes even part of the NFL again. I don't think he's going to get into coaching in the NFL. I reckon he's he's going to step away from football or at least professional football altogether now at this point.
1: Well, who would like? I'm just trying to even think in my head who would he go back to because I I wouldn't think the Saints would would have him back, especially no. with Sean Payton now gone. No, he wouldn't go back to the Saints. So where else would he go? Ah, oh, exactly nowhere. Maybe the Browns
0: would probably like to hire him for another hundred million guaranteed. <laughs> Just don't go to the Seahawks. <laughs>
1: just, just don't he go. Might, the... He might. Beat I would out actually Drew, rather beat out Locke and Smith. To be fair, I would rather have Drew Locke or Geno Smith because w- the way that the way the scheme is changing, I just I would rather. He's not going to throw the ball anyway, so maybe that might actually help him. We'll see. But you know, imagine DK trying to get a a noodle ball from Drew Brees. <laughs> you know, it's just not going to work. It's not going to work. But look, that's going to wrap up our first half of the show with our news. There's not a lot of news. We're trying, guys. We are trying. It's down season in the end. This is the true down season period of the NFL. So we are trying. But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to speak in the day Lolly of DK Sports, uh, DK Pittsburgh Sports, I should say, about the Pittsburgh Steelers and you welcome back to the second part of the under center podcast dara of course still here with fion uh, we are turning our attention now to the pittsburgh steelers and joining us today from uh, dk pittsburgh sports it's dale lolly dale it's great to speak to you and um, we were speaking a little off air um and we were talking a little bit about irish heritage and stuff and um actually you were over in ireland back in the 90s when there was last an nfl game here featuring the pittsburgh Steelers,
2: yeah that was against the chicago bears and we had a great time uh spent the week in dublin uh actually also went uh up north for a day as well uh, and spent a day up there uh with with uh, dan rooney of course uh, who was the ambassador uh later in life uh to ireland for the united states and he uh, dan was always very true to his uh, irish heritage and uh Um, you know, loved the country, wanted to, to really try to bring everybody together. And, uh, you know, that was, uh, one of the biggest things that he wanted to do was have a game over there and he got the McCaskey family that owns the bears, uh, to, uh, to come over and they, they had a a great week and, uh, um, had a fantastic time over there. I know that.
1: (laughs) 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 <laughs> yeah, and and look, we've seen the success of, uh, of the UK games just across across the sea, of course, in the last couple of years, and now obviously coming into the new season, they're going to venture over to uh, Germany and have the game in Munich. So, all signs are pointing in the right direction that we could hopefully have another game uh, on this on this side of the
2: of the Atlantic uh, pretty soon. Yeah, um, and, and I know uh, you know the NFL hasn't been able to do that for a couple of years now because of COVID. Uh, they want to get back out and, and and have international games, and they just want to continue to have that grow. Uh, and, and I could see definitely see another game uh, back in Ireland here within the next uh, four or five years. Yeah, for sure. And like we mentioned out there, we do have the college
1: game, which is definitely a great starting point where we we get to kick off the college season in August. Which of course we'll, we'll focus on more closer to the time but we're here to talk about the Steelers um, and uh, we talked to myself and Fiona talked about it in the first half of the show we, we touched on it briefly it was the scheduled release last week and of course um, the Steelers it, it is this great thing that you already know who you're going to play you just don't know when and just looking at it's kind of a tough start for the Steelers coming up um, now, with the first six games including ones against you know the Patriots, the Bills, and the Bucks, but then after the bye, the sort of schedule gets a little easier with, with games against the Falcons and and the Panthers. Would you think Mike Tomlin would be uh, happy with the uh, the release last week?
2: Yeah, I mean you know they knew what the schedule was going to be, as you said, uh, who they were going to play. Um, you know they they start the season off with three games in the first eleven days, which. You know, everybody has to do that at some point because of the Thursday night games. So I think you would rather get that out of the way at the start of the season when everybody's reasonably healthy, as opposed to doing it in you know late October or November when guys are starting to get a little nicked up and you know maybe not feeling at a hundred percent. So um, you know that part of it's not bad. Uh, they have a lot of home games down the stretch, which is you know basically what you want. Um, you know, especially in a season where you know, going into it because of the 17-game schedule that you have nine road games and eight home games. And, you know, the Steelers don't leave the Eastern time zone. In fact, I made note uh, at one point, uh, I think from late October, I think it's October 24th uh, until just after November uh, 24th. Uh, So they have have a month where they don't leave the state of Pennsylvania. They have a a game against the Eagles in Philadelphia. Uh, Then they have their bye week. And then they have two home games, so they have a month straight where they don't leave the state, which is really, you know, kind of nice. Kind of nice for me. I mean, I I think I only have like three flights this year that I have to take to get the game. So everything else I can drive to. This, of course, the team will fly, but those are very short flights. You know, you're up and down and in less than forty five minutes.
1: Yeah, uh, and that was it. Um, I think that they are they have the the shortest in terms of. Uh, travel mile schedule in in the NFL coming up this this season and now I want to move on then we'll we'll ask about the sort of GM search because before all the craziness of free agency and all all the trades and the draft this was an off season where there was a lot of head coach and GM vacancies and and the Steelers are the only ones left that haven't uh, filled the, the GM role that is available now we've seen um I think it was both Omar Khan and it was last night. It was uh, Andy. If I get the pronunciation wrong, I'm sorry. Is it Weidel or Weidel? Yes,
2: Yes, Andy Uh, Weidel.
1: Yeah. Andy Weidel. Both had second interviews for the role. Now, the team are being diligent in this appointment for sure. But is there any other sort of reason um, why uh, this has taken so long?
2: Well, Kevin Colbert, uh, the outgoing GM, was under contract through the end of the draft. Uh, that's how GM contracts run in the NFL. Basically, all the front office contracts run draft to draft. And so this is really, uh, you know, I, I've had to explain to a lot of my readers when they wondered why the Steelers didn't make that hire sooner uh, so that the new GM could come in and be part of the draft process. I'm like, well, typically when this happens, when you when you're hiring a new GM, the old GM has been fired. And that is not the case in this situation. You know, Kevin Colbert is is retiring. And so, you know, it's a little bit different than than most of the other uh, GM openings and the Steelers GM position uh, isn't like a lot of other GM positions in the league. The GM in Pittsburgh doesn't have uh, the ability to hire and fire the head coach. Everybody is answerable to uh, Art Rooney. uh, It's the second who's the team president and owner. Um, You know, so there's a a pyramid after that. And the, and, and art is at the top of the pyramid, and then the head coach and GM are, are the next level down, the two guys there, and the pyramid goes down from there. So they're really the GM is the equal of the head coach. Um, you know, so when they talk about, for example, a, a draft pick being a Steelers draft pick, that's really what they mean. And they they come to a consensus on their draft picks. And, and you know, so it's not necessarily Kevin Colbert's draft or or the new GM's draft, it's a team. You know, it's a team pick. Now, obviously, the GM has a lot of control over, you know, how these guys are graded and things of that nature. But the head coach and the coaching staff also have a say in who gets picked. So um, it's a little bit different. In fact, Kevin Colbert didn't have the title of general manager until 2010. And before that, he was director of football operations, which is a position that they had. Uh, you know, that's that, that was the when he replaced Tom Donahoe. That was Donahoe's title. Donahoe replaced Dick Haley, uh, who had had that title since the early 70s. So they had never really had a, a true general manager before Kevin Colbert. And the only reason he took that title or asked for that title was because when he would go out to scout college games, the college teams, the programs would put the general managers in the press box and all the other scouts had to sit out <laughs> outside in the elements and he's, he would look in the in the press box and see guys who had been, you know, running a, their team's draft for about three days, and they're sitting in the press box, and he's sitting out in the uh, in the stands. He, and so he went to Art Rooney and said, "Hey, can I at least have the title of GM so I can so I can get in the press box?"
0: <laughs> Dale, the obviously the Steelers have had a long run of success and and winning seasons at the moment, and unfortunately, I don't know a lot about the guys in the running for this GM position, but. Are they are they in house Steelers guys? Are they looking to continue that kind of internal ethos or looking for a shakeup? Because as you said, it's a little bit strange where the GM isn't being fired; he's just retiring. So obviously they want to keep as much continuity as possible.
2: Yeah, they do have a couple of, uh, of internal uh, candidates. That would be Brandon Hunter, director of pro scouting, and Omar Khan, who basically is their capologist. Um, you know, to me, if if they want somebody who is is more in in line with what Kevin Colbert does. Uh, You know, he runs the scouting department. That's what he does. I don't know that if if Omar Khan fits that per se, Um, you know, they may do something like basically if they they could do a a situation where Hunt just gets elevated to, again, director of football operations and Hunt stays, or or I'm sorry, uh, Khan stays in his position as the guy who negotiates all the contracts. So they would share the duties or they could go to one of the, uh, the four, Outside candidates who have gotten second interviews to this point, um, uh, John Spitek and and, uh, Ryan Calden, um, uh, I'm trying to think, and who you mentioned, and then uh, Doug Whaley as well. So uh, it'll be interesting. Um, That position has always been filled by somebody who is a native Pittsburgher. Um, Kevin Colbert was from Pittsburgh. He grew up in Pittsburgh, went to a North Catholic high school here in Pittsburgh. Tom Donahoe was from Pittsburgh as well uh you know in, in, as was uh Dick Haley before him. So, you know, if they do hire one of these guys who are not from Pittsburgh, uh White and and uh and Whaley are the two candidates who actually are from Pittsburgh. If they go outside and hire Spytek or Calden, uh that would be something outside the norm for them.
1: Yeah. Uh and and let's move it on then to, to the draft because um well, looking also at the wider picture, it's going to be, I think, the first time, um, in eighteen years now that where Ben Roethlisberger will not be on the Steelers roster going into the season. It's definitely going to be a big change for Steelers fans and and the NFL fans in general. Not seeing a uh, Big Ben under center there in Pittsburgh. They they signed Mitch Trubisky in the off season and of course drafted Kenny Pickett in the first round a couple of weeks back. Um, to start this new era for, for the Steelers. Looking at, at Pickett first, of course well publicised, he was the only QB taken in the first round um, obviously f- there was a lot of uh, fun made of his hand size when uh, the measurements came out as well and of course he is very familiar with the facility, um, obviously coming from college in Pitt as well because they share the same training facility with the Steelers D- Do you think that this uh, this pick was was this a little maybe forced by the Steelers to pick a 20 picket Um, considering that we saw all the other QBs dropped that they went for him. Maybe they didn't believe that his he would still be there by the time their second or their next pick, I should say, would have came around.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I think the quarterbacks, uh, the way I've explained it to some of my readers who have asked that's a similar question. Um, The NFL every year invites the top prospects who are in the draft to uh, go to the the actual draft site. Uh, This year it was in Las Vegas. Uh, And and they not only invited Kenny Pickett, but they also invited Malik Willis and Matt Corral. And they don't do that because they want those guys sitting in that uh, green room on day two. They do that because the NFL thinks that those guys are going to go in the first round. Um, you know, and so they they don't want that guy to be the last guy sitting in the room late into day three is, which is or day two, which is what happened here. Um, so I, I think what happened in terms of the quarterbacks is we've seen a lot of quarterback movement over the last two years in terms of guys being drafted, quarterbacks being traded, guys making it to free agency. It typically doesn't happen like that in the NFL. You don't typically see a star quarterback like a Russell Wilson traded uh, in in the prime of his career. You don't see a guy like Deshaun Watson suddenly become available. Uh, That just never happens in the NFL. Typically a guy who's a star quarterback like a Ben Roethlisberger spends his entire career uh, or or at least very much of his career in one spot. And then if, you know, at some point the team decides that they want to move on, you get a Tom Brady-like situation where somebody goes and plays the final couple of seasons somewhere else. But typically these guys with their star quarterback play the majority of their career in one spot. Um, the Steelers had a, a, a first round grade on, on Kenny Pickett, honestly, you know, when it, when it came down to it, um, I don't know who else they would have taken there. I, I, I suppose, you know, Dax Hill would have made some sense. Uh, the safety that went to the Bengals. Uh, then ne- that very next pick uh, was, uh, was the quarterback, uh, from Washington who went to Kansas city, I would have given him some consideration there as well. Uh, but then you measure the, you know, the position value versus the the player and quarterback always trumps everything. Um, I wasn't a big fan of taking a quarterback in the first round this year, simply because I, I you know, I, I think they may have found something in Mitch Trubisky, um, you know, and I would like to see uh, what he might be and what he can turn into and see if he can resurrect his career if he's good this year and I do believe he's going to start from the get go. So if he, if he's good this year, then, you know, you're okay. If he's bad, well, then you've put yourself into a much better position to select a quarterback next year in, in, in the draft. So, but they, they like Pickett. They knew plenty about Pickett, as you mentioned, they, you know, train in the same facility. They've seen him for five years. They, they saw him a lot. They talked to the, the, the coaching staff at Pitt, uh, Pickett's, uh, Offensive coordinator at Pitt was Ben Roethlisberger's uh, quarterbacks coach when he was uh, early in his career, so they know plenty about him. They know he's gotten NFL-type training. So, uh, you know, the pick at that point made a lot of sense given what else was out there. Um, You know, there was some talk of moving up or moving down. You know, if the the player that you like is there in terms of moving down, you take the player that you want because you don't know what's going to happen after you. There's, There's no guarantee that just because Pickett, was the only quarterback drafted in the first round that somebody wouldn't have traded up ahead of the Steelers if they, say, if they had made the trade with the Chiefs and moved back to 20, pick 28 or 29 or wherever, you know, back there. So you take the guy that, that you like, and, and they did that. Um, it, it basically gives them two bites at the, at the quarterback apple. Uh, when you don't have one, that's not the worst thing that you could do. Um, you know, you, you take a chance here. If Trubisky doesn't work out, they have Pickett. If Pickett wins the job in training camp, fantastic uh so you know they they've set themselves up uh you know to potentially have a a long-term quarterback without spending a ton of money in the quarterback room
0: Mm -hmm. and on the the other side of the offense obviously you've got your quarterback and you got to throw to a wide receiver and get that kind of duo going uh Juju Smith-Schuster has obviously moved on still got Deontay Johnson and I, I believe he drafted a couple of wide receivers how do you feel about that wide receiver room now that the kind of the dust has settled on the draft do you think they made a good improvement and you might have a couple of starters in that room.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, they got George Pickens in the second round uh, at, at pick 52. And if you went back one year uh, to, to the, the, you know, everybody's way too early 2022 draft uh, mock drafts, George Pickens was a first round draft pick. In fact, a lot of people had George Pickens as the number one receiver in last year's class. Then he tore his ACL. Uh, you know, at, at a, a, a practice, a spring practice at Georgia. He came back and, and played the, the last four games of the season. Obviously wasn't the same player at that point because he was still, you know, six months removed from the ACL tear. Uh, but he's big. He's physical. Um, you know, he gives them another big target there. He's talented. Uh, if you look at it, he was an all-freshman an, an all uh, pick. He, he led Georgia in receiving in each of his first two seasons. Plenty of talent there. Um, you know, is is he going to block like Juju Smith Schuster? Probably not. But they didn't have Juju Smith Schuster last year for most of the year. So, you know, I, you know that's obviously an upgrade over what I'm going to measure this against what they had last year. Uh, James Washington just didn't make that big of an impact. I think George Pickens has way more upside than than what James Washington did. And then the fourth round they took Calvin Austin, and he's got legitimate four three speed. This key, he he's got track speed. He can fly. Um, yeah, you know, he's only five foot eight, uh, but he's going to be replacing Ray Ray McLeod, uh, who's not much bigger than him, but he's a way more dynamic receiver than uh, Ray Ray McLeod ever was.
1: Yeah. Uh, And just... Going back, sorry, I want to go back to, to the QB talk um, because you mentioned with Mitch and I think one of the most surprising things we could see now next year for, for Steelers fans especially is seeing a, a quarterback in black and yellow who's able to move and who's able to probably break out of the pocket at speed. Um, But with that, a player whose productivity may go down next year with the change in quarterback is Najee Harris. Uh, of course, a very, very good first season. Um, obviously, relied a lot on not just the run game, but obviously with the passing game. And, and, and Ben obviously liked to sort of just uh, throw it out to, to Najee and let him run with it. Do you expect a little bit of a drop in productivity for him? Maybe not, not as if it's a bad thing, but just that he's not going to be relied on as much as he was last season?
2: Well, you know, he had 1,600 total yards last year. Uh, and that was on almost 400 touches, which w- was the most in the league. I would expect the touches to maybe go down a little bit, but I think it'll be higher quality touches. Uh, he's just scratching the surface of what he can do as a as a a receiving running back. Um, you know, he can run wide receiver type patterns. You know, line him up in the slot and do those kind of things and get open down the field. Uh, I, I I do believe there's more in the you know more. Meat on the bone there for for him and that, and they improved their offensive line as well. At least they feel like they did, uh, you know, adding a couple of guys in Mason Cole and James Daniel, um, that they feel like they'll be able to run the ball more effectively. You know, he averaged uh, just under th- four yards a carry last year. You know, if he gets fifty less carries, but averages a half a yard more than what he did last year, he'll have the same yardage. And so that's that's what they want to do here. They want to be more effective running the football, not necessarily just run it more.
0: Dale, I have a a question about uh, Mike Tomlin. So obviously, famously, I think he doesn't have a a losing season so far with the Steelers. But of course, he also had Ben Roethlisberger for every one of those seasons. To what extent do you think his coaching is going to be put to the test a little bit this year that maybe it hasn't before given that Okay, Mr. Risky has been a starter before. He does have certain traits that need to be coached out and if they do go pick it, obviously he's a, a raw rookie. So how much of that will will test Mike Tomlin in this season?
2: Well, I go you know, I go back to the 2019 season when Roethlisberger got hurt in the second week of the season against the uh, Seattle Seahawks and Tomlin went eight and six. With Mason Rudolph and, and and Devlin Hodges starting at quarterback, which you know at one point they were they were eight and, and uh, eight and five and in, in you know contention for a playoff spot that year, which was just amazing to me. Uh, I thought it was one of his best coaching jobs. He has a way of getting the most out of guys. Uh, you know, he 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 really does. They're very young on offense, so you know I, I don't know that the, his message isn't going to be lost on those guys. For most of them, they're going to be hearing a lot of this stuff for the first time. Uh, the defense, I think, is going to be it, it should be better than it was last year for certain. Uh, if they can get that back to being a top ten unit, uh, you know, they'll be in contention again to to uh, to continue that that streak of uh, non losing seasons and and potentially be in the, in the mix for a playoffs. But I think, you know, Tomlin does his best work in my eyes when nobody expects anything from this team when there's when the expectations are lower and i'll say this uh of the guys who've coached in the nfl for 10 years he's the only coach in the nfl who's been in the league for 10 years and has a winning record against teams that finish the season with a winning record bill belichick doesn't even have that so uh, you know he he has a way of, of of getting this team up to to pull off some upsets here and there mm-hmm. I, I look back at the, the opening game last year in Buffalo. Nobody gave the Steelers a chance to win that game in Buffalo, and they go up there and they beat the Bills. Um, you know, so it, they, they they'll pull off some some shockers like that and find a way to be right there around 500 and in, in playoff contention.
1: Yeah, uh, and I'm just conscious of the time here, uh, Dale. And I've just got two more questions for you before we let you go. Just looking at the. The rest of the division of the AFC North, you know, you have the Bengals, of course, who had their Super Bowl run last year. They've improved their offensive line, which was sort of seen as a weakness um, last season. The Browns, of course, getting Deshaun Watson, still question marks on how long he'll be suspended for and if he'll be available at all next season. Then, of course, the Ravens with the question marks with Lamar not signing his new deal, but they've improved in areas too. Like that, with the changes that have been going on with the Steelers, and, and Fionn mentioned about the, the, the non losing season for Tomlin. It, is this going to be more of maybe a, a, a cons uh, like a, a season of constellation? i uh, sorry, I'm saying the wrong word, but um, they just with the strength of the division at the moment, is it a sort of thing like we'll just get through this year, evaluate how. Pickett gets on, evaluate how Mitch gets on, and then maybe take that information into next year's draft, where all with all where everyone, else, everyone that will be coming out the quarterback
2: class, especially, will be a lot stronger. They'll never use the word rebuilding, and, and I think that's what you're you're kind of hinting at there. They will trying, not, never... to it.
1: trying yeah. not to say. I was trying not to say.
2: They never use that that word. They always want to try to to compete and get into the playoffs, and then compete for. Uh, you know, a Super Bowl. That's that's the plan every single year. Uh, this is, you know, this will be my 29th season covering the Steelers, and they've had three losing years in 29 seasons. I mean, that's just the reality. Um, so, I, I think what you're saying, I, I get what you're saying. Yes, but they always do that. They always take a step back and reassess things after after a season, particularly one in which they don't make, make it to the Super Bowl, And obviously that happens more often than not. So, um, you could look at this as a, as a rebuilding type season, but they, they they feel like they can compete. Uh, they swept the Ravens last year. They swept the Browns last year. Um, so, you know, they feel like they can beat those teams. Yes. The, the Bengals beat them twice. Uh, you know, but they feel like they've, you know, if they've got their guys back, uh, you know, and, and people are playing well, that they can compete with the Bengals. And, t- you know, typically when, it, when a team makes a big jump ahead, like the Bengals did last season, going from having the first pick in the draft to, to going to the Super Bowl, you can expect a little bit of regression, uh, you know, in, in that regard. And people forget they only won 10 games last year. It wasn't like they were a juggernaut. Um, so I, to me, I think the Ravens are the team that's kind of the sleeping giant in the division right now. Um, you know, I think the Browns are going to have some issues. Uh, particularly if if the the quarterback gets suspended for, I'm guessing at least half the season, um, so it, it's going to be an interesting season. There's no doubt about that. And the, the entire AFC got better.
1: Yeah. yeah, definitely for sure. Not just the the AFC North. Uh, one more question then before we we let you go. You know, you 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 can't think of the Steelers um, without. Probably one of their best ever players who's fallen on, on difficult times and since he's left, and that's of course Antonio Brown. He, I, I believe, a, a tweet came out a, a little while ago saying he just wanted to retire as a Steeler. Um, and actually, the, doing the research for this, uh, I believe that you actually hosted a radio show with Antonio while he was with the Steelers as well. So you may have a little bit of inside knowledge, you may not, we won't get you to. to to say if you do but we couldn't possibly see antonio Brown back in a pittsburgh steelers jersey after the trouble that he had that we probably didn't even hear half of while he was with <laughs> a Steeler.
2: well i know where the bodies are buried let's put it that way <laughs> um yeah you're never he's not going to ever be in a steelers uniform again unless it's, he's coming back for an alumni thing or something like that but to me, it, it, at some point, Antonio Brown is is going to go into the Pro Football Hall of Fame and he's going to be remembered as a Steeler because he played nine of his of his seasons with the Steelers and had his, his best seasons with the Steelers. Um, they've they've kind of buried the hatchet with James Harrison. Um, you know, he comes back now for alumni events and things of that nature. Uh, so time heals all wounds. Those wounds are pretty uh, Substantial with Antonio Brown, I I do know that, and you know we'll see. Um, I like Antonio; Uh, he was always he was always good with me. Uh, But I've heard other horror stories about it, so it's it's going to be interesting. Um, You know, five or six years from now, whenever he actually does announce his retirement, again he'll be up for the for induction into the Pro Football Hall of Fame and somebody from Pittsburgh is going to have to present him at the, to the hall of fame voters. And it'll be interesting. I've done that job in the past, uh, you know, uh, presenting uh, Troy Palomalu and and Alan Fanica a couple of years ago and Palomalu got in and Fanica did not. And, you know, you, you have to, uh, you tell the good and the bad in those situations. So um, we'll see what happens with the Steelers and Antonio Brown. Uh, But there are some bridges that do need to be mended there.
1: Excellent. Dale, thanks so much for the time this evening we really appreciate you uh talking to us about about pittsburgh and um, before we let you go for people interested
2: where can they uh read your work or, or listen to the podcast uh well i'm, I'm the uh steelers beat reporter on dk uh, you can read all my stuff on there and i also host uh, the drive on steelers nation radio uh we do that uh, i do that with matt williamson uh, we have a show on there that uh, you can access on the steelers website or or go to uh Apple or Spotify or any of those places to find the shows there as well. So, uh appreciated uh, you guys having me on and enjoyed it and uh good luck.
1: Cheers. Thank you and look when the Steelers are back playing in in Ireland we are definitely be meeting up for for <laughs> definitely a couple of Guinness. We'll get you the we'll bring you to the places to get the best Guinness cuz probably the last time you were here you, you didn't get the best Guinness, so we'll make sure you get we'll get you some proper Perfect. Uh, proper points, for sure. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, but that's where we're going to wrap up this edition of this show. Like I said, thanks to, to Dale for taking the time. Fiona, as always, thank you to you. Thank you. We'll be back again next week with another show, but until then, stay safe, and we'll see you soon.